Welcome to Cashflow Assets Podcast, where we share the stories, tips, and techniques to get you out of the rat race and into cash flow abundance. Here's your host, Robert Slattery. Welcome back to the Cashflow Assets Podcast. I am your host, Robert Slattery. And today I am joined by my good friend, Jared Galdi. And Jared, where are you at right now? Where are you broadcasting from? I'm on Camino Island in Washington State currently. Oh boy, but you just you just got back from a pretty big trip. How how many states have you been in recently? Well, since COVID hit, I I just crossed over 90 flights. I've been in 38 states since in the last 18 months, and this last week or this last 11 days, I was in five different states and just got back and slept well in my own bed last night. Awesome, love it, love it. So the the restrictions on travel have not really affected you and your business. No, no, actually the restrictions were great at first because I got to ride on planes by myself. So so I I, I saw that as a big benefit. The world world decided to kind of lose their minds a little bit. And I enjoyed I enjoyed all three seats on every plane I was on for quite a while. Now, you know, the the restrictions are are not are, are not as uh not as much in my favor because the planes are still full and I have to wear a mask. But yeah, no, we're, we're still going hard. Yeah. I started out this year doing quite a bit of flying as well. I was in Florida and in Texas and I, I've been bopping all around and, and it, it was nice. I, I was getting upgraded to first class pretty regularly and I don't pay for first class, but I'll sit there if they want to put me there, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's great. This has been a good time, a good season for my company, for my business, as we are growing this education arm of our company and teaching people about how to build cash flow. And the reason that Jared is here on the podcast, the reason I asked him and, and he was very gracious to agree to this interview is if I didn't do what I do in my daily work, I would want to be involved with Jared and his org in in some way, because I've been tracking what he's been doing for the past Oh, two or three years. And you've gotten significantly bigger over the past year and a half, two years than you were when, uh, when we first started talking about this and you didn't let COVID slow you down. And so I, I, I just want to talk about that real quick. What's your elevator pitch? If, if you met me, you know, we're, we're walking up the stairs at, at Ranger Stadium. What are you going to tell me about you? My elevator pitch about me. Well, man, it's been a real estate has been an awesome journey for me. For me, it was always about passive income so that I can free up my time. For me, it started with really service at church. When I look back at that vision, it's, it's like, I'm going to make passive income so I can show these people at church that you can still serve here and be a financial blessing instead of a drain. So for me, that's where the vision started. What it's grown to is now we, we, we say the line all the time, we're unemotional about numbers so we can be emotional about people. So what's happened with that little tiny vision that could has, has turned into kind of an amazing machine that we buy houses across the country and we lease them to organizations who house recovering addicts. And so, so what we do is, is we own all of the assets. We build the property management company to manage the assets and, and we house recovering addicts in amazing houses. So, so there's, there's the elevator pitch. Fantastic. Okay. So you, you buy houses and you rent them out to addicts or to recovering addicts, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As a benchmark for comparison, how many, how many houses do you own or control at this point? Owner control, see, own, 
I think we're at 38 and control or 48, 10 more than that. How many houses have, how many of those properties have you acquired over the past year or two years? All of them in the last two years. Really? Yeah. We, we bought our first house, July, first house for this niche, July 2nd of 2019. So, so really all of them the last two years. And, and you were talking to me about this when you first got started about two years ago, just a little over two years ago. And I had just, we were scaling what we were doing with Blackwell at the time. And I was like, dude, I would, I would totally get involved with you if I wasn't financially committed to everything I was working on. And, and, and now you've just, you've taken off, you've taken off 38 doors plus 10 more under management. Okay. How many explain to the people listening what this means? Because they hear recovering addicts and they, they see all kinds of, uh, police lights in front of their rentals and they see holes in the walls and they see drug paraphernalia and they, they freak out. Explain who your tenants are. Yeah. Love it. So uh, that's the biggest portion of why I'm so confident is, is, is that we love our tenants. So yeah, hundred percent. I, I thought that too. I'll have a little story there to, to talk about how we started. I mean, the first house that we bought was a gorgeous house in Marysville, Washington, the town that I grew up in. And I know everybody in Marysville, including the mayor. And the mayor lives right by this epic house that this nonprofit wants me to buy. So I look at this, I look at this house. Monday is service day in my business. So I call five people that I'm going to serve. And I called my friend Andrea. I was like, Hey, I'm going to run some numbers for you today. I can bring your office some lunch. You know, how can I serve you? And she's like, well, I have this house in Marysville that this nonprofit wants to lease out. And you, you know, I would, I would love for you to look at it. And she, she looks at me, she goes, you're a Jesus guy. And I was like, I, I don't know how to take that, but yes, I am. Uh, so she's like, so maybe you want to, maybe you want to help these guys. And so I look at this, this house, it's uh it's just over 4,000 square feet, has a gorgeous view of the Puget Sound. There's a custom built home. And, and I know the mayor lives right down the street. So I'm over here like, okay, I look at the, look at the property at first. And I'm like, dude, you get, you're going to have to explain this to me. I, 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 I know a lot of people in this town and my name is going to be attached to this house if I buy it. And if you're going to move, if you're going to, you know, you're just going to move drug addicts into this place. Like I don't necessarily understand the model. This place is gorgeous. There's only 13 homes in this neighborhood and they're all custom homes. You're going to need to make sense of that for me. And so what we did is we toured a bunch of their houses and I got to know, know who they are and what they do. And this is, this is what they do. It's not, you know, we're not taking people directly out of prison. We're not taking people directly off the streets. It's a, it's a voting process to be, to have to, to be able to live into one of these houses. And you have to have an 80% vote by the current people in a house to be able to move in. And it takes a 50% vote to get you out. So they're really cool peer run places. And we noticed that the nicer the house, just like, just like what I see is, is most rentals, the nicer the house we buy, the better they treat it. And so another portion of, of our tenants is I think a standard tenant, you know, you know, I honestly, I don't even know the rules on how, on how you, you would have to notify them to get in the house, but you know, we don't, we can check in on our houses all the time. So we do inspections all the time. We, we, I can just anyone, any house that we own, I can walk up and knock on the door without notice and be like, Hey, what's happening everybody. And I can see in everybody's bedroom, we can talk, we can talk about what's going on in their lives, what they're, what they're doing. And yeah, so we buy amazing houses. Our most recent acquisitions, a 5,000 square foot house in Rockford, Illinois, a custom built home and it houses 12 men in recovery. And they take care of the place as well. And if they don't, they don't get to live there anymore. And the organization will fix our house. So that was a big misnomer that we had to overcome. And it, I had to realize that, no, we're, we're housing people. I say people recovering from addiction, 
but it but it's people that that we house and and it is it is not like you would think it's not a halfway house you're not you're not worried about bullet holes or something so that's pretty neat that's awesome okay so taking a step back that that talks about how you got into oxford house what did you do what what was your primary focus before you got involved buying that first oxford house yeah so my my primary focus like i told you quite a while ago i said i was going to make passive income in real estate so i can serve a church that was 2014 or 2015 and i really just got into I actually had this misnomer in my head. I was like, I need to make like a million dollars. I need to put a million dollars in the bank and then I can maybe start buying rental properties to make that passive income uh, that I'm looking for. And so I got into flipping houses, building houses. I was in, I, my mom and I still own a little brokerage up here in Washington state. So I leveraged relationships and things and got into investing. And man, that million dollars was not happening the way that I had it envisioned. And so. So what, I mean, looking back on it now, man, every house I've ever bought ever has been with somebody else's money. I've never used a penny of my own money. And so, so I, that vision where I like, I had to stack up something, some, some sort of nest egg to get into it. You know, God was breaking that down at every turn. That was, that was, that was not my vision. And, uh, yeah, so I was flipping houses, building houses. I, I developed some properties and put the mobile homes on them, kind of whatever deals I could get my hands on to get experience is what I was doing. And then, you know, it just, honestly, I feel like it was just, it landed in my lap. So I can look at it now and everything that I'd done over the last eight years leading up to this point was, was preparation for this. I was, I was getting, I was, it was getting added to me. Like I needed to learn, learn this skill set and then that skill set. And I needed to know this person and that person. It was, it came this addition problem. I say that all the time where you or life is an addition problem until you're ready for a multiplication problem. And so <laughs> I, I wasn't really ready for that multiplication problem yet. And so I just kept adding and adding and adding. And then all of a sudden, you know, here, here we come into the multiplication and life's taken off. So, so your family gave you a hundred million dollars and said, here, Jared, we want you to have a life, a life of leisure. And it was all easy, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. yeah, it's just, uh, just a, just a cakewalk. This last decade, let me tell you, you could ask my wife. There's, there's not been any tribulation at all. We were, we were just loaded to start with. Yeah. No, it's, it is, <laughs> it has been an absolute blessing looking back on it, but there's been many, many, many times where, where I just, I, I, you know, I, I felt that at wit's end, it's hard work to, to, to really make that multiplication problem happen. But yeah, no, we started, we started with no money, plenty of time, no know how at all just learning from experts like yourself you know we started with i started with a you know with a little mindset that could and and never gave up and that's why i got here so love it i love it jared tell me a story about you've you've really kind of taken off over the past two and a half years right is that fair to say yeah okay so tell me a story about a time when things got hard when things didn't work out the way that you thought they would or Maybe a time when a, a sleepless night or or a string of them had you concerned about whether or not you were on the right path. Mm. Well, there there's many. I think one of the biggest ones, the most impactful ones, was right before you know we really we really created our impact properties group uh, business. You know, and right before this happened, we were we were on the backside of that. Like I was talking about, I was trying to stack up that million dollars. You know. And what happened was, you know, I could, there, there was a lot of things that I was doing and flips and things, and I couldn't necessarily find contractors that I trusted and that were performing. 
and it was just costing us time and money and all sorts of things. So what I did uh, is I created our, a construction company to to go along with this. I didn't. I have no idea how to create a construction company. I just know that you know I've I've seen as as I put it, I've seen dumber people than me do it. So like I I can figure this out, right? And so we created a construction company. Um, two buddies from my from my church, you know, jumped into it with me and. Man, it just, I, before, before we started the auction house, it just wasn't working. And, and I, I had brought these two guys and their families along with us. We weren't getting things done fast enough. And I just kind of felt the walls closing in on us. You know, the, I felt like the last eight years, this is, this is just a couple of years ago. I felt like the last eight years of, of grit and determination and hard work and just, uh, just pressing in. I thought that that the walls were closing in and I was going to have to, like, do what I, 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 I've said many times, I will never have a boss. And I thought that I was going back into the land of like, okay, maybe this isn't going to work. Maybe I just need to figure out some corporate gig again, go back into sales or whatever it is. Uh, we, the walls were kind of closing in on us. We had several projects that, uh, that weren't coming to fruition. We had one that had finished and sold for a hundred grand less than I thought it was gonna, you know, that was in, that was in Redmond, a little, uh, little Microsoft Rambler special. And, um, man, the, the market softened that summer a little bit in 2019. You know, that was in 2018. And I just felt like the walls were just completely closing in. And I was like, man, I brought these two guys along with me. I brought their families along with me. I can't afford to pay for their families anymore to do this thing. I thought the walls were literally closing in right before we did this. And so, you know, honestly, it's just for me, it's just it was just faith and, and determination on, on the other side of that, where it's like, no, I'm, I am not going to get a job. We we do live a life by design. And, and I changed my language from from, oh man, what is going to happen to, oh man, what do you, what are we going to do next? Like what, what's happening next? And so opening my mindset to be like, okay, what's, what's next made it to where, you know, at the same time, um, the same time I thought that I needed that million dollars at the same time we found this auction house at the same time, my business partner, him and I had been talking, he's an investor and, and was looking at different deals, investing in different deals we were looking at. Same time, we really got serious about it. And that Oxford house found us and that week that I found found that first Oxford house, he looked me square in the eye and he goes, dude, I'll make sure money is coming forever if you want to buy me. And I was like, well, do I, you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean? What do you mean forever? What does that even mean? He goes, forever. If these numbers work and they need these houses, wherever they need them, I'll make sure money is coming forever. So yeah, we were, I mean, right up, a, right up against it. If I, I feel like I could have, I could have gone into like, I could have gone into a cocoon or something because it was, it was, dude, it was painful. We didn't, we didn't have any money a couple of years ago. And it was, it was reaching that point where like, man, has it all been worth it? You know, the strategy, you know, all of those things were just felt like the walls were closing in just a couple of years ago. And that, I would say that was maybe the, maybe the fourth or fifth time over that eight years where that feeling came in we're like am i am i are we going to make it you know as, as an entrepreneur i will tell you that those those doubts those nagging little anchors that hold you back they don't go away and and i i have obviously been through that i've i've had several different companies we've had several different iterations of of our real estate company and as the real estate landscape is changing right now we're seeing huge changes with the way that the real estate agents and the public interact. We're seeing a lot of downward pressure on commissions and traditional income models or, or compensation models. We're seeing Zillow kind of show their hand 
and and we we a handful of us knew that this was coming but too many people in the real estate industry were giving money to zillow over the past 10 15 20 years and they were just stunned one day when zillow woke up and said we don't need you anymore we're going to be buying and selling our own houses using this data that you helped us aggregate with your money thank you and and so we're seeing some huge changes in the real estate world and and it does create a significant amount of uncertainty and the people who are listening to this podcast it's called cash flow assets because we're talking about bringing assets into your life that produce cash flow and that doesn't mean that you're going to win the lottery one day and and all of a sudden have all this money it means that if you put the right pieces in place then the cash flow will follow and and the one constant that you and I both focus on is we serve people. I tell my my agents in our firm that that we serve our clients and our clients are not just real estate buyers and sellers. Our clients are the owners of property and our clients are the tenants of our property. And and you have a servant leadership mindset where you are here to serve and you lead by serving. And and even in today's uncertain world we're seeing that tenants always need a place to live you handle a very niche group within the rental property world and because of that because of the way the oxford house has set up their model you've been able to scale this pretty effectively can you can you kind of walk me through you bought your first house a little over 2 years ago 2019 we're recording this in 2021 october of 2021 what what was your progression? How did you get from zero to now 48 houses under management, 38 of which your group owns? Can you kind of unpack that for a couple minutes? Yeah. I mean, I feel like you nailed it for, for the service mindset. So when when we when we got to know Oxford House, I mean, I feel like a true entrepreneur. If you break down the 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 what the word means in Greek is undertaking, right? And so, so, so willingness to undertake something. And I see it as a, I see us as the world's problem solvers. And so I look at everything, any, anything I get into, I look at, at, at how can I solve the problems that already exist? And Oxford House is, is the best in the world at what they do. And we, we love them and their leadership team for, for what they do. They've been around since 1975. They lease out almost 3,500 homes nationwide. And so they are not practicing anymore. They, they know what they're doing. And so I got good at asking questions quickly. And I got good at asking questions about pain points specifically and what they're dealing with landlords. And, and I just, I just approached it, uh, as, as a service to them because I want to serve them. That's my, that's my heart. And so, um, so we really dove in on what their pain points were. They have landlords that are slumlords that don't take care of their tenants well. Uh, they'll, they literally, I've literally heard horror stories of not replacing a water heater for a couple of months with everybody's taking cold showers. Uh, you know, there's, there's people that, um, they're, they, they fluctuate with, uh, with the market. They're actually having a massive sell off right now where a lot of owners of Oxford houses are selling because they see, uh, the equity on the table and we're actually coming in and helping them and buying some of those so they don't have to move 10 people from one house to another. There's, there's a lot of pain points where they, they got hit pretty hard with people who had arm loans, who, who had five year arms where they, where they kind of went upside down in the houses and then they have to move out. So Oxford House wants to lease a house forever. And they obviously want their people taken care of within the houses and taken care of well and loved well. So 
we really just dove in on who they are, how we can use our unique skill set to serve their needs and and to just be, as I say all the time, you know, to be the best landlord in the world for these types of houses so that we can really learn their pain points. And honestly, that that it happens so fast when we when I dove in on research on them because I just I felt like, okay, you know, like I told you at the end of the construction deal I was telling you about where we shut that down. I felt like I'm going this way with everything I've got. So I researched them and got to know their pain points really, really fast. We bought our first 10 houses in the first three months after I knew about Offshore House. And so when what we did is quickly, we're like, all right, we I understand who you say you are. We've looked at a bunch of your houses now. I believe you. I believe the model. So we're in. Tell us where you need them. And, and, and we're going to show you over the long haul that we're going to love on you guys and we're going to take care of you well. And we don't intend on selling any of these assets ever. I heard you say your, your buddy, uh, sold his houses to a REIT. That is absolutely a model that I'm, that I'm for in most niches, but our niches, um, you know, they don't want, they don't want a REIT to come in and, 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 and relocate them. You know, they, they don't want somebody to come in and say buy a hundred houses from us and then, you know, our heart is no longer in it. We no longer love on them the way that we, the way that we do. So we intend on owning these assets forever. So we just got to the bottom of who they are, how we can solve their problems that they've seen over the last 50 years or so of being, being in operation. And then that opened up the door to where, you know, we are who we say that we are. They, people can see my, you can see my heart. If you've met me, you'll know my heart and Oxford House knows my heart. They know that I love them. I am so grateful for them as an organization and how many people they're helping. They're the best in the world at what they do. So I took my heart and just started solving their problems and they saw that. So that's when they opened the door for, for us to buy more houses kind of all over the country because they're sort of in control of that. They, we don't have any sort of exclusive contract with them. I love it when people want to buy Oxford houses. I help people buy other Oxford houses. That's where those, those 10 other houses under management came from. We have no sort of a monopoly, nor do we want some sort of a monopoly with them. We just love who they are, what they're doing. We love their trajectory of where they're growing. And so a lot of those investors took them, will take the mindset of like, you need to, you need to give me all the houses in this area. I can, you know, I can buy all the houses and say in all, all of Seattle, so many people come in or, and are like, take that mentality rather than just, Hey, we see who you are. We love you. We love the, love the mission. And that's when we got into the, uh, what I, what I, I say what I mean when we're unemotional about numbers, because we have to have the numbers work for us, for us to continue to scale. We're unemotional about numbers so we can be emotional about people. And, and we mean every little bit of that. If we're, if we don't make money, we cannot continue to do, uh, what we're doing. We cannot continue to love on them. So that's the, that's the gist of it. Okay. Tell me about your family. What, what, what is your, life look like right now you're not working a nine to five what is the lifestyle that you are able to live because you have pursued this form of income love it uh so my my wife god bless her she is a she is a homeschool teacher i when 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 she wanted to do that i thought she was sort of crazy at first and she's she's done it from the beginning and so we are very, very, very flexible as a family. My wife is, she's an amazing leader, uh, for, for our kids. She's, she's an amazing helper to me. We actually just got back from an, from a trip to San Diego together that, that was, it was, 
it's incredible the lifestyle we're, we're able to live with now. I mean, it's it's not extravagant. I'm not a, I'm not an extravagant person, but we get to do whatever we want to do. And yes, I have plenty of work today. You and I were just talking. I got back from eleven a day road trip, and I have a I have a giant list to do today after we get done. But that list is a that list is a blessing. It includes you know putting putting rent checks in from the PO box that I haven't grabbed in eleven days, which is a bunch of them. It puts uh you know we've got three new acquisitions while I was on the road, so I've got to get those plugged into the system and and do all those things. But I see those things as a blessing, so I I hammer that out. And and my buddy Al puts it the best, man. We I love what, guys like you because I know how much you care about your kids. I love that we that we live in the end, and I live in the end. I'm not. I'm not going to get to the end of my life and be be a guy who lives in a mansion with a Ferrari by myself. My wife is going to be there. So I love my business and I love my family. I love my wife and I'm going to be the greatest husband I can can be to her. I'm going to and I'm going to be the greatest father I can be to my kids. You know, those things matter to me greatly. So yeah, we we live the we live the life we want to. And we're just about to move to Texas to live more life like we want to. <laughs> I, uh, I I was at a seminar a few years ago, many years ago, and the the guy on stage said, "Hey, I'm going to say something kind of controversial right now, and that is, I believe that a woman's place is in the home." And there's kind of a murmur that goes through the crowd. Oh, did he just say that? And the conference was in San Francisco, nonetheless. And the guy says, "Yeah, yeah, I I believe a woman's place is in the home, and I believe a man's place is in the home right next to her." And, and I was like, yeah, you know, that, that worked. You and I both have that. I like my, my wife is on the other side of this wall over here. I, I built out this studio in our new house and, and she's like, okay, so when you're recording, I won't be vacuuming, but I'm going to be, she's cleaning the house. Her, her parents are coming into town today. And, and so I love that. I love that. I, I mean, I, after I'm done here, I'm going to go out. We'll probably have lunch together. And then I've got some more work that I have to do as well. And, and we are in one of those relationships where you get to bounce off each other and, and, and see each other and orbit around each other. And then she, she's able to say, Hey, Robert, I need you to go pick up the kids from school today. Cause I'm going to the airport to pick up grandma and grandpa. And, and I'm like, okay, cool. I can do that. And that's what it is. It's not, well, my boss says that I have to be in this meeting until late tonight. And I mean, you can't place a value on that control of your time. Yeah. My, my mission is, is showing people how to take back control of their time. Yes, we need cash flow. We need income to be able to cover our bills. But that's just a math problem. And I loved your analogy earlier about, about life being a math problem. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's like you stole that from my playbook. And, and, <laughs> and if you're... If your hair wasn't so much better than mine, we're both bald, by the way, for you guys listening. <laughs> if your hair wasn't so much better than mine, then I, uh, I'd, I'd take, you know, exception to that. Jared, I love that you are, you're building this. Where are you going with this? Where, where do you envision this going? You've had a great two and two years, two and a half years. What's next? Love it, man. Well, what's next is I would call the sky is officially the limit actually the sky there's stars beyond the sky so i don't i don't know where the limits go at this point i would say that for where we're at right now we really are going to we we mean it when we say we'll, we'll serve the oxford house well so they don't i don't think they want anybody to own you know hundreds or thousands of houses for them you know they 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 work with a lot of different investors around the country so what we're doing where we're going with it is we're going to continue to serve them well and continue to have conversations with them 
and we'll buy as many houses as they want us to buy. We now have a system in place where we can just continually buy houses for them wherever it makes sense. And so we're going to continue that and continue to set up our, our system around that and, and our system of management around that and, and be able to duplicate ourselves as, as necessary within buying these houses. Now we're getting into more, uh, more of the just cash flowing assets uh, side of it. So we're pushing into luxury Airbnbs. You know, anybody, anybody who's listening, if you have a, you have a house somewhere between one and a half and eight million that cash flows well and is a, is in a market where we, that is a year round attraction. You know, we we're looking throughout the, throughout the southern states. I would say Arizona, Texas, Florida. You know, things like that, or even, even up north, we're even looking at places like Whitefish, Montana, where we know people go there in the summer and throughout the winter for skiing, things like that. But we're looking at, looking at luxury Airbnbs to just multiply our cash flow quicker so that we're able to just buy, we're able to live off our cash flow and just buy houses off of our cash flow. So we're pushing into that arena. I, I, I started doing one on one coaching with some, with some people that I love. And what's happening there is we're able to do, and, and I'm full, by the way, taking no clients. I'm not, this is not an advertisement for my business. Full, full on that. But what we're doing is we're taking, taking people that, that have a skill set or have a little bit of money and are look, either looking at getting into real estate or are dabbling in real estate and are looking to, looking to scale. And what we're doing is coaching them up and investing in their deals with them and being able to, to help them scale, be their capital source to where, to where they're, where they're able to go faster. So. So yeah, looking at taking ter- territory in all directions, man. But kind of whatever, whatever the whatever the coaching clients that come to me are investing in is what we're what we're looking at. We're looking at some multifamily, some you know, some you know, we're looking at investing in operators there, and we're looking at luxury, high end, high high end Airbnbs here in the near future. Where do you see the real estate market going in the in the near future? And if you see a correction in the near future. How are you hedging your business to avoid any 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 negative repercussions from a major correction? Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, that was designed in from the beginning. So I I don't necessarily see a major correction coming myself, at least not in the foreseeable future. In my personal opinion, somebody who's telling you they know where the market is going is either one lying to you or two selling you something that you don't need. So so. I don't, I don't know. We've, I, I, I feel like I hate the word unprecedented because we've heard it so, so stinking many times in the last two years, but it's real, man. I mean, for, to, for a little bit of my, my perception, I'm a, you, you know, you and I haven't dove into this, but I'm very much so a cryptocurrency believer and a blockchain believer. And I feel like money around the world is changing and we've never seen, we've never seen a time like this to where governments are changing, money is changing, things are moving so fast now nowadays with all the with all the information that we don't know where it's going. And so our our hedge in that is the is really that that stable base that I was talking about of of, of the of the Oxford houses where we're unemotional about numbers so we can be emotional about people. We don't have any we don't have any weird loans. We're locked in we we use leverage but we're locked in and have great cash flow within a, within our assets to where we can absorb we can absorb a big hit within our houses. We're locked into the money there. We're not, we're not chasing a bunch of refinancing or a bunch of stuff with all this appreciation going. So we're watching, even if we just buy a house with uh, 20% down and we, we have 80% leverage on it, 
the ones the ones from two years ago that we bought we're now at like 55 percent ltv on those things you know right. because of what the market's done so we're really in a good spot as we continually look at our our overall portfolio we could have probably off the top of my head we could probably have 30 to 40 percent of our houses stop paying rent and we're doing fine you know that's awesome that's awesome that's fantastic. I've been sitting on an empty office building for a year and a half, thanks to COVID. And so the, those numbers are legit. Let's say that you met somebody who, or, or somebody heard this podcast and they're like, man, this is great. I'm glad that this guy has all this money and he's got all these things that he's built. Where would you tell them to get started? If they're, if they're still struggling, if they're still trying to make ends meet, if they, if they feel like the walls are starting to close in on them. What, what, what guidance would you give them? Oh, man. Unequivocally, absolutely, with 1 million percent, I can answer this question with certainty. Find an expert, pay them to that for them to pour their brain into your brain. I can look back and that's not me saying that, like, like I told you, I don't want, I don't want a coaching client. I got, we got it. We got enough going on, but absolutely unequivocally find an expert. And, and, and get it out of their brain. Be honest about your situation. Be honest about where you're sitting. Be honest about what's in your hand with an expert who's been where you want to go. And that person will be able to dissect where you're at and, and help you give, get tangible steps to, to get where you're going. I can look at my past and, you know, a bunch of guys where, you know, like, like you on my, uh, where I'm on podcasts these days with, uh, with what I now consider friends. Those guys weren't friends until I started, until I started paying them to be my friends. <laughs> I'm being real. And so I remember one conversation I had where I paid, I was paying a guy $2,500 a month to coach me from where I was at to, to where I was going. I remember one conversation, it, it clicked after the conversation. I was like, that just made me $100,000 a year for the rest of my life. How, how did I go? How was I unwilling to pay somebody before when this conversation just paid for itself? I don't, I don't even, I don't even know. I'm an ROI guy. I love ROI, but that conversation, the ROI had to be infinite hundreds of, yeah, infinite millions of percentage points, whatever that is. It was infinite. And so that conversation changed. Some of those conversations changed my life. And there's been a progression of, of, you know, I didn't, I didn't always hire the right coach, but, but it was worth it. And, and I would be, I was looking back on it. I would pay, pay a coach and, and I would be able to figure out, you know, if it, if it was worth it and be able to shift gears and looking back on it, I wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't pay people to, to, to help me. You have to invest in yourself and you have to be humble enough to acknowledge that you don't know everything. Yeah. Right. When, when I worked, I used to work at, at Microsoft as a contractor and the Bill Gates mentality was you don't need to be the smartest guy in the room. You need to surround yourself with people who can make you look like the smartest guy in the room. And, and that's, you know, I've, I've, I've got people in my org. I've got a guy who runs our brokerage. I've got a, a gal who runs our, our property management company. They have supporting teams underneath of them. And then we've got another guy who runs our capital company. And, and it's just, it, you've got to, you got to surround yourself with people who are smart. And then you got to be humble enough to go out and say, I don't know everything. And so I do have coaches that I, I talk to and I collaborate with and I pay people I spend tens of thousands of dollars a year on coaching and on tools and on resources. And I think you are 100%, 100% right in what you just said, that you've got to find somebody who is where you want to be or who has a skill set or, or a gift that you don't have, and then figure out a way to be mutually beneficial. And if it's hiring a coach or if it's, if it's giving time to their org or, or whatever, 
learn and add that to your toolbox. Absolutely. 100%. Man, to, to add on to what you just said, my, one of my mentors says something that I love. And maybe this is for some, if somebody's here and they're like, well, I don't have money to pay a coach. I don't have, you know, what, whatever that looks like. If somebody's listening to it and has that, one of my mentors says an amazing thing. He's like, if, if you can't get in the room, if you don't have money or you don't have the clout to get in a room, serve water and get in the room and figure out how you make that happen. So if the, if the door's not open to you, then put on, put on an apron, swallow your humility and serve water in the room and start listening to the men and women in that room that are taking territory. So I, I love that thought where it's like you said, like you said, there's always a way if, if, Here's a, here's another sneaky tip on that note. Like if you can't get in Robert's calendar because you can't afford him, figure out a pretty cool gift for his assistant or his wife, figure out a way to serve him. And then, and then you'll, you'll, you'll stick out and, and people will invest time into you if you stand out that you're, that you're willing to go above and beyond and serve people. I love that, Jared. Tell me about your company and is there a way for folks to get involved with your company? Well, not necessarily. I love the, I love telling the story. We have, we have, we have enough capital at this point. We're not raising capital. We're not doing anything on in that regard. We're just, we're just taking territory. I would say that there's going to, there's going to be options though, as we, as we continually grow. So probably the best way to get a hold of me at this point in time is just follow along with the story, maybe on Instagram at Jared Galdi, which is J-A-R-E-D-G-A-L-D-E on Instagram. And Shoot me a message on there and let's, uh, let's know each other because I, we're coming into a season that's going to be, that's going to be really fun. And I need to know as many humans as possible to pull it all together. I love it. Jared, I appreciate you taking the time today and, and adding some inspiration to the folks listening to the Cashflow Assets podcast. If you want to learn more about what we do, go check us out at cashflowassets.com. Sign up for one of our free webinars. And we've got other resources available there and at the blackwellworkshop.com website as well. Jared, again, thank you for your time. I appreciate you being here. And for our listeners, stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you for listening to Cashflow Assets with Robert Slattery. Make sure to subscribe and follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. To register for a free Cashflow Assets webinar, go to cashflowassets.com. Go check out the additional assets and resources that we have for you at blackwellworkshop.com.